0: Hello, this is Chip Kenman, and you're listening to Pantheon Podcast Network. History in five songs. With host Martin Popoff. A production of Pantheon Podcasts. Let's rock out with martin all right. hello once again welcome back to another episode of history and five songs with martin Popoff, off brought to you by the good people at pantheon podcasts we are pleased as always to be part of this vast and always expanding pantheon podcast network we're available on spotify itunes simplecast and over 40 other podcast platforms all right so this is episode 168 i'm calling this no category bands Here's how this started out. I got an email from a uh, Dr. De Rien, um, who said, Hi, Banger TV and Mr. Popoff. I am a big fan of the Lock Horns series, especially the episodes with the great Martin Popoff. So uh, the idea here is uh Um he's he he wrote in to say, Hey, you know, this would be a good Lock Horns episode. Funny thing, I think I've uh I've I've uh, convinced them from my end and um, they've been convinced for a long time. I think I've aged out of being on Banger TV. Um, I haven't done even one of those, um overkill rewind for it, it feels like almost a year now and uh yeah i'm not really getting called to do anything i've always hinted to those guys that you guys seem to be skewing younger and younger and i'm just getting older and older and i i think i'm too old to be on this show i look old i am old um but it's it's funny i um i don't see myself being on banger tv uh too much anymore um but uh front by by it like I say, it feels like mutual. Uh, I, I just feel like I'm getting too old for it. Uh, anyways, um, uh, he goes on and says, I won't take too much of your time, but I feel like I very badly need to make a suggestion. Can you do an episode with Pop Off of Lockhorns about metal bands that are very hard to classify? I mean major and less major bands like Motorhead, The Plasmatics, Voivod, Atheist. Oranzi, Pazuzu, Noctmistium, etc., who are so much their own thing, in quotes, that they consistently get shuffled in and out of various genre categories, depending on the conversation. It would be so amazing and very informative to have an intelligent, discerning discussion of a bunch of these bands all at once, since some of them are proto or precursor bands, while others come later. Uh, but just consistently stand apart. It would make a hell of an episode and would produce great conversation for a long time after. Thanks for listening. I'll be watching and praying to the demon lord that you hear my suggestion, Dr. De Rien. Um So I wrote him back and said, you know, that sounds like a good episode for History in Five Songs. And, you know, he, he even uh, added some suggestions later. Um, by the way, also uh, thanks to Mick Phelan, uh, who has added some suggestions here as well. I asked him, hey, who would you include in this? But I quickly made up a list, and this could be a very, very long list. Um, I've roughly broken them into categories. This may be a little chaotic. We'll see how this episode pans out. But uh, okay, let's take let's take a listen to our first selection and we'll and we'll start diving into the concepts here. This is Led Zeppelin with Celebration Day. And it seems that pretty soon. Everybody's gonna know okay this is led zeppelin from led zeppelin 3 1970 so this was the album that got them all that abuse for being uh, very acoustic on side two uh although side one was uh you know quite quite a hard rocking side um which brings up a point well let, i'll get to that point in a second but so i i picked this many of you know this is one of my favorite led zeppelin songs um and you know it, it is it is a hard rocking song um and i picked it because Oh man, it just drove me crazy when you know the idea of um, heavy metal is slowly becoming a genre, or whatever. But Led Zeppelin is one of these bands that that got called a a hard rock band. No, they're not a heavy metal band. They're a hard rock band. And you know, you know what drives me crazy about that whole idea of calling someone a hard rock band. Uh, like Led Zeppelin, for example, like a perfect example, is that it's almost like like a, like a like an imprecise term for a band that actually did some heavy metal. They did some stuff in the middle that was hard rock. They did some blues stuff. They did some very, very quiet stuff, acoustic stuff, so, you know, British folk boom stuff. Uh, so you just say they're hard rock, right? Uh, you know, the better example of a hard rock band would probably be um, someone like... Uh, well, KISS is probably the best example of a hard rock band where everything is squeezed a little more into the into the middle. Uh, it's, it's not particularly heavy metal ever. It's very rarely uh, quite mellow, uh, and everything is just this poppy hard rock thing in the middle. Aerosmith's uh, even a little more compressed than a Led Zeppelin. But the point here is um, this category... I'm calling this category the 70s, and, and the idea is this. I wanted to resist putting too much in here in this no category bands thing. Because why? Let's explain. So so this whole idea of being slotted into a category, and, and we'll and we'll go into the positive and negatives a little bit, but this whole idea of slotting into category first means there has to be categories. And the idea in the 70s is that Almost all bands. I mean, most bands will will fit into uh, this idea of a no category band. So it's it's not a particularly uh, admirable or huge thing. It's because there really aren't that many categories at this point. So you know, pretty much everybody. You think of Queen as a type is is a type of Led Zeppelin, but they're doing some different things. They're doing dance hall and nineteen twenties music. Um, later on, they're doing synthesizer stuff. They don't have things that are particularly particularly super super. Super mellow but sometimes they do but they actually have heavy metal that's heavier than led zeppelin and they and all all sorts of weird stuff in beside even the odd blues tune right um a little bit of folk. Uh but, you know, the Who, the Who is uh, is a band. Um, you know, I wanted to mention the Who because uh go back and listen to episode forty seven, which is about bands of individuals, um, where, you know, putting together four distinct individuals will cause a very strange sound. So so this is a sound that can't be categorized. Nobody else sounds like the Who. But like I say, almost everybody is like that because back then uh, you know rock encompassed pretty much everything it that we didn't have a profusion of bands there was basically just a major label system there weren't there weren't the profusion of minor labels like when punk happened when new wave of British heavy metal happened uh, then you get hardcore and then you start moving into the point where uh, you actually had labels that were that were dedicated to to subgenres, right? Um, so in the old days, even when you had indie labels, which there weren't that many, I mean, um, you know, almost everybody was, was semi-part of the major label system for one reason or another, usually distro, right? Um, but the point is, is that... Um, there, there weren't that many small labels and there certainly weren't, uh, you know, many labels dedicated to, uh, to one kind of genre. So, so rock is rock, is rock, rock, rock um, you know, took everything in. We did have progressive rock bands fit into progressive rock. Uh, you know, and then you think of a, a genre that, that slowly stumbles into being, you know, we could do a whole episode. I don't think I have done this, although I might've covered it off on the who invented heavy metal, but yeah, um, you know, you've you've got bands who would lean uh, way one way, uh, like a Black Sabbath, and so now you have to start creating a category for bands like that. Uh, but but you know, most of your most of your Ted Nugents and Blue Oyster Cult. I mean, Blue Oyster Cult is a perfect no category band. Uh, Budgie, um, you know, and in the eighties, you had a bunch of these as well. You know many 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 bands but but just to say a couple examples uh, that came to mind uh, that I that I quite admire midnight oil and X um, so you could have bands that are just general rock bands um in the eighties that do so many things that confound you as well um that they that they fit into this no category band in a 70s way um, obviously there's there's tons and tons of them but yeah, my point with this first category was i i didn't want i i wanted to resist uh naming too many 70s bands uh but i thought zeppelin was the perfect one the last thing i want to say about zeppelin um that always used to drive me crazy is when bands like us at led zeppelin would say oh we offer a little bit of uh everything to everybody well you know as i've said before uh i've complained about this before but as i've said you know when you say that you're not really satisfying everybody either it's like well if the, if if you're somebody who wanted more of the heavy stuff, well, black Sabbath's going to satisfy you more because they offer more of it. So, so, you know, there are, a record is 40 minutes. You can't, you can't satisfy everybody just by, just by, um, doing a little bit, you know, doing four different styles on a record. I mean, people go away exactly mathematically that disappointed, uh, because they didn't get what they want sort of thing. So, so always that, that always drove me nuts too. When, when bands would d- defend that sort of thing in interviews, um, all right, let's move on to our second selection here. This is Slayer with Crypts of Eternity. To those unknown, he watched below the land. Luring victims to the death, perish to the sand. Master of the black and dark, living his decree. Five amongst the seven gates, searching for the keys. Okay, so this is an interesting discussion. This is one I thought of right away. and then um, uh, Mick Phelan sort of, um, you know, countered and said, yeah, when I think about it, it felt like living through the first two. Uh, oh, I, this is me answering him back. No, he he basically said that, I'll, I'll mention this in a sec, but what he said is, ah, Slayer doesn't really fit. They're part of the big four, right? And then what I said back to him, was, yeah, when I think about it, it felt like living through the first two and the EP, they could have fit in black metal and death. Uh, might still make the point of why I thought Slayer and Mick... T- oh, okay, so this is me sort of bringing up. Um, it's maybe a finer point on how bands might have started somewhere and went somewhere else or were unique because there was little else around it then, uh, conformed as others conformed around them. So my point with even thinking of Slayer in the first, uh, first place was this idea of um they're so satanic there aren't that many satanic bands around so it felt like they were a black metal band um but as time went on and they uh they got less satanic and more kind of violent and and thrashy and you know they're from la and there's this big four and there's even a a next four and most of them are from la or san francisco right um they, they started feeling part of a group or, or, or a pack that you could say, okay, they're a thrash band, right? Um, but really back then, um, you know, and there was no such thing as death metal yet, and yet Slayer was deathy enough and, and satanic enough and all of this mixed together and sort of the look um, that you could say they were a nascent death metal band as well. And you know, this This brings up the age-old Venom and Merciful Fate and Celtic Frost thing, too. So, remember, our episode is called No Category Bands. So, Venom is an interesting case where you could say they're a no-category band, but it's because they have exactly three categories or four, right? They're New Wave of British Heavy Metal. They're the birth of Black Metal. They're the birth of Death Metal. They're the birth of Thrash. Um, merciful Fate is sort of the same thing. They're the birth of Black Metal, but they're also kind of the birth of Progressive Metal, um, not the birth. Rush is the birth, but at, at this point, you know, 83, 84, they're a little bit like that, um, and, they're, and they're kind of like the second coming of Judas Priest as well. Celtic Frost is an interesting one. Um, they're they're like the birth of black metal mixed with doom, and you know when they pick it up a little, maybe mixed with a little bit of death, I suppose, uh, in there as well. So my my this category is a little bit about how it can change. Uh, you can be a no category band. Um, like I, I think Slayer was somewhat a no category band to begin with, um, or you can grow into a a no category band, um, and you know in that in that camp I, I put bands like Amorphous, Opeth, Enslaved, The Replacements. You know, uh, obviously one of those doesn't belong with the others, but The Replacements began more or less as a um, as kind of a as kind of a punk band, I suppose. Um, but, but weirdly kind of late, uh, late to the game in doing that. They were almost like a retro, uh, punk band or a revivalist punk band in, in 84, 85, but then they became more of a roots rock band. Um, you know, and Soul Asylum's kind of the same way uh, that they, they started much heavier and then ended up much more melodic. Um, you know, massaging in acoustic guitars and stuff like that. Same thing happened with the replacements, and then the replacements basically morphed into Paul Westerberg solo. Um, you know, not not much difference from the last two replacement albums into into that. Um, and then these other bands, you know, a lot of them started as death metal bands and became prog prog metal bands, I suppose is is what you would say. And and you know, a lot of this has to do with with the changing of the vocal from an extreme vocal um, you know, to a to a clean vocal, but then obviously a lot of other prog things as well. So so the, so that's kind of an example of um, of how you can be a no category band uh, and and become a category band like Slayer, um, or you can um, Start as a category band, um, which which all of those kind of did. Um, you know, Enslaved was a black metal band for sure. Uh, Amorphous was Amorphous was kind of like a doom band, I suppose. Um, and then become this this cleaner, glossier, more complicated progressive uh, progressive metal band. Just wanted to bring up one more point here. Um, uh, I I'm actually kind of excited about next week's episode because uh, this has caused me to pull out a few bands that would fit in here Um, you know there's so many bands in the world it's not like you're gonna notice their absence but um, when I talk about them next week hopefully if I do continue this idea there's some bands that I'm almost gonna call snow globe bands or um, uh, biosphere 2 bands or um, ecosystem bands uh, that are so unique that they feel like a world unto themselves, like you you know you 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 think of that little world in a snow globe, and you shake it up, and the snow goes. There are bands that feel like they are they are encased in a little plastic dome with water and uh, and uh, plastic snowflakes in them. Um, so that's uh, that's kind of what I'm looking at for next week's episode. So um, so most of these I would say um, only have a light dusting. Of snow on them uh, and they're more so uh, they're more so just no category bands so so this is almost like the weaker version of the no category band so we'll we'll get to that later um all right this episode of history and five songs with martin Popoff is sponsored by better help without a healthy mind being truly happy and at peace is hard the good news is therapy works but what is therapy exactly it's whatever you want it to be maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help or maybe you're feeling insecure and relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress. Whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video phone and even live chat sessions with your therapist so you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are now seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. And special offer to History and 5 Songs with Martin Popoff listeners, you can get 10% off your first month of professional therapy at betterhelp.com/5songs. That's better h e l p.com/5songs. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. All right, let's go on to our third selection here. Take a listen to this. This is Pantera with We'll Grind That Axe for a Long Time. Everybody, Everybody this is it's so- All right, so this is from Reinventing the Steel 2000. Um, always bothered me how people put down those last two Pantera albums as not as good as the previous stuff. I think they're all basically the same, at least all these major label ones, they're all awesome. But I wanted to put Pantera in here because this is an example of a band that benefited, I think, from being a no-category band. We haven't really addressed this idea of what happens when you are a no-category band. Is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? Now, first off, on a creative level... I mean I think unanimously or close to unanimous, unanimously it's a good idea to be to be unique there are unique guitarists there are unique drummers uh and then there's a whole pile of ones that are just really good at it but they don't have a, a certain uniqueness to it so so it's cool to be a unique band um Pantera is one of these bands that um you know, invented kind of a, a drum sound aesthetic with Terry Date. Um, you know, when we did the new metal episode of Metal Evolution, we looked at Pantera really seriously um, and, and explored the idea of Phil Anselmo with his confessional lyrics um, and just like laying it all on the table and, and just being almost, almost the birth of emo in a way. This idea that um, Pantera is kind of important in the new metal thing, even though you know, musically speaking, they weren't that kind of thing, and there and there's no real rapness uh, to to what to what Phil does. Um, But, uh, but yeah, so, so they are essentially a band, you know, and here's what happens with these no category bands as well. This is, this is kind of funny. They, they essentially, you have to come up with something to call these bands and it's never, 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 um, very satisfying. So Pantera, what did they call them? They called them groove metal, which is like really ridiculous, right? Um, because what was Pantera exactly? They were a combination of, um, yeah, they they had some groove to what they were doing, you know. You, you know, you almost felt like like they had a little bit of Aerosmith to what they were doing at times. Um, but they um, they were essentially, you know, the closest thing that they were. Was thrash right? They were they were the closest to thrash, but they were a post thrash band. Um, They were they were kind of they thrashed sometimes. The funny thing about Pantera when they thrashed, I always found this kind of interesting. It almost seemed like they were making fun of it. It almost seemed like they did it really simple, really punky, really hardcore. Phil just like screamed, yelled frantically. Uh, And it seemed like it was just something they wanted to throw in there as a little bit of joke before they got to the next, as Phil would call them, money riff, right? The next money riff. Um, So... um yeah, that was an interesting thing about Pantera. So so I think this is a band that benefited. Obviously, they were a huge band. Um, they sold lots and lots of records. They were headliners throughout most of that run. Um, they were a really good live band. That helped. But I think this is a band that um, basically, because they had their own sound, um, they benefited greatly. And the other thing is it was close enough well, okay, put it this way, it was a pure metal sound. I mean this was a pure, pure metal band. There was there was no there was no um sort of wondering about um where the label and and the um and, and their ad money. So so where the label could place their ad money. They knew it was with metal publications and metal radio um and metal whatever, right? Uh this was definitely a metal band that you could market to to metal fans. Um so so this is a band that is not so perplexing to the label that um they didn't know what to do so they didn't do anything. We're going to get to that sort of situation uh in a minute or or something that that kind of fits that. Um you know, so this is a band combining a couple of things. I I thought of um I thought of you know, semi in this department. Uh this is a bit like I say a bit of a chaotic episode. Um, I'm just going to start mentioning some examples here, but but I I kind of loosely put these ones in here because they were bands that are are combining a couple of things, and it actually is these same things. So an early version of Pantera, to my mind, is Metal Church. Metal Church was a band, on the other hand, that was kind of hurt by this thing saying they had one foot in the past, one foot in the future. So they had one foot in very traditional early. American version of power metal and they had one foot in thrash and why why did they have a foot in thrash I think you could say it was um, I mean by actually thrashing and playing fast but David Wayne also had a little bit of a thrash vocal to him and then I sort of went down the down the line of bands that that sort of fit the Pantera mold Um, crossover thrash that term crossover so Pantera are they a crossover band they're almost like a crossover uh, between thrash uh, thrash and something else and the mainstream in a, in a way. But, but there are crossover thrash bands like crumb suckers, carnivore, cromags, agnostic front, suicidal tendencies. Um, that's kind of an interesting one that, that did a, a few different things. Um, Cryptic Slaughter, D.R.I., even Lamb of God. Lamb of God to me feels like uh, they are doing the exact same crossovery sort of thing Pantera did, but they're doing it in the 2000s. Uh, Corrosion of Conformity is a funny one. So they're they're like a cross between Metallica-esque, um, big chunky, you know, accessible but slightly doomy metal and punk um because they they come from the the old crossover sort of thing so they're crossing that thing over but again you could say that that's a little bit of the same thing that pantera is doing so yeah, Napalm Death's a funny one. Um, so I thought of Napalm Death, and, and Mick Phelan writes, when Napalm Death burst on on the scene, so unique, but in a way, uh, they can never get credibility, and Barney may never reach the intellectual minds he wants to as they are tethered to this still unique, wonderful Napalm thing that only appeals to a select few. I'm sure he loves it and isn't chasing fame, but I'm sure he wants to touch more minds and hearts. Um, uh, so that's a funny one. So, so Napalm... Uh, they kind of they they're kind of a cross between thrash and this sound that they invented themselves. I mean, in the early days, it was really extreme. I mean, it was it was it was back into that. They they were a cross between. Well, they were kind of a grindcore band, but then they became a cross between not so much even having much grindcore left. It was more like a cross between thrash and a really cool thing they invented themselves. Um, but again. Um, you know Barney and the whole lyrical thing and being really political and all that and that that comes from, from hardcore punk and, and you know Oi and all, all of that sort of thing not so much Oi I guess I mean more political hardcore but yeah they're, they're almost a band that I could have and I, I should have sandbagged for the next episode because they are kind of an ecosystem in themselves maybe I'll stop there and talk about them a, a little more later but uh, let's move on to our fourth selection Um, take a listen to this this is Clutch with Cypress Grove. Where you went, there's a woman on the hill in a white brimmed hat with a shotgun for the fog. Okay, clutch. I don't have much to say about clutch in this, in that, in, except in that, um, they have been rewarded by being a no category band. Um, and when I think of clutch, I, I weirdly think of them, uh, on the road. I think of them as this interesting, no category band that can be combined with so many metal bands, right? Motorhead uh, is a good example, black label. Um, so they can be put on a lot of different tours as either the headliner, the sandwich band, the support band, um, because they're confounding and they cross over to to different places, it's a different kind of crossover. So what is Clutch exactly? So Clutch, by the way, loving the new album. I really like it more than the last one, which is kind of an experimental one. Otherwise, they've been kind of in a similar space for a lot of their albums. But it's a really cool, complicated space, and they're a really cool band. But um, So so what, what are they? Uh, why are they? a no categories band so they started off um, where you know they were already confounding uh, when we used to have that thing called grunge so you you can kind of cross them between grunge and stoner rock but as time moved on and people stopped talking about grunge they kind of became this cross between stoner rock, roots rock blues and just good meaty riffy heavy metal um, more than anything, when they got up tempo, it sounded a little bit like punk rock, but more like up tempo heavy metal. So that's kind of where Clutch fits. Um, and they do have that snow globe ecosystem biosphere two feel to the lyrics because you feel like there's a world that's created with them. So I, I feel like maybe I should stop talking about Clutch as well because I might bring them up. Uh, next episode as well um but yeah i i really feel that this is a band that is a no categories band now they haven't been greatly rewarded on the record sales front but because they do such a good job with what they do the packaging the lyrics the production the performance and then also on top of that being a no categories band i think they have a large large cult following um and people are always excited about clutch they have a lot of fans they do great live um but yeah, I again, uh, oddly, I mean, this literally just came to me after I said, "Hey, here's clutch." Uh, is this idea that um, they are no categoriness lives lives on the road? That's kind of a weird way of looking at them. Uh, all right, let's move on. Our fifth and last selection. This is Kings X with Oh No. All right, so this is from Tapehead, 1998, one of my favorite King's X songs from one of my favorite King's X albums. We did a Contrarians episode where I boldly called it my favorite King's X album. I don't know if that's going to stand up for sure. Um, Dogman might be my favorite now. Um, but so this is a band I feel that hasn't benefited. Um, They've benefited uh, exactly like Clutch in terms of being both the the on-the-road, no-categories band, and also having a large cult following. And just by being a really good band and doing a good job, um, they have a large cult following. But I feel like... um, labels didn't know what to do with them so it felt like at times they didn't do much with them nobody kind of you know nobody knew what category they belonged in we know the grunge guys loved them and they were influenced by them because their first albums are 88 and 89 so they're they're right at sort of the the early stages of grunge um and what is their sound? You know, people describe it as Metallica meets the Beatles. So there's two very divergent categories that you have to smoosh together to get this band. They can be Black Sabbath-like. They can be, you know, you can bring up... The Birds and Blue Oyster Cult with the, you know, with the beautiful, beautiful, amazing stacked harmonies. Um, Who are the other big harmonies bands? I don't even know. Um, But um, also with the alternate tunings, the Led Zeppelin-esque feel to a lot of what they do. Uh, You could call them a progressive metal band. People have said that because it can be very complicated at times. Uh, Pop metal... um, so yeah, that all of that is so confounding that you absolutely have to put them in a category by themselves. And they—they they literally, um, this is this is a really good example of a band where the, nobody else sounds like King's X. For a brief period there, there were the King's X baby bands and Galactic Cowboys and Atomic Opera and one I keep forgetting. Um, but essentially. Um, you know, this is a band absolutely unto themselves, uh, you know, so they really don't fit in any categories at all. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought it was a, a good, bold choice for this. Um, let's see. Uh, yeah, so this reminds me of the episode I did on on the psychedelic 90s metal band. So, so you know there's there's you know i had to smoosh a bunch of words together even to come up with what to do for that episode it was a pretty recent episode uh but but they they fit in that as well and again most of those bands didn't do very well because the labels didn't know what to do with them nobody could sort of figure out um who their who their market is who their target or, uh, audience is you know um Another one that Mick came up with that I thought made sense was Plasmatics. Um, Skyclad is is one I thought of immediately. I remember when we were do, dealing with all those Skyclad albums through the '90s back at Brave Words and and Bloody Knuckles with Tim Henderson, our magazine. Uh, you know, we didn't know where to put Skyclad. Um, it was kind of uh, you had this thrashy vocal um, from Martin Walker here uh, on top of I'm um, probably pronouncing that wrong, but on top of um, on top of kind of traditional heavy metal that could be thrashy at times, and, and Mick mentioned Sabat, so the previous, you know, the predecessor band to Skyclad uh, is even thrashier, uh, but they're British, and British don't make thrash bands, do they? Um, so, um, <laughs> so there was this idea of, uh, you know, uh, kind of a thrashy thing, but kind of fits in traditional heavy metal. And even when you looked at the German thrash big big four, you had uh, some some proggy and pure heavy metal and hookiness to the likes of coroner and rage you know rage changed over time um but uh, who else do we got in honorable mentions um We've got uh, atheist and Watchtower, that whole sort of thing. Little Feet, I thought of. Like Little Feet is this weird thing that it's kind of rhythmic and complicated and polyrhythmic, but it's also an avocado mafia, you know, uh, New York, uh, not New York, uh, L.A. sort of, uh, you know, troubadour and and Laurel Canyon sort of band. You know, people people pull their hair out trying to put them into Southern rock, even though they're not from there. Um, but if they were from there, people would squarely call them a Southern rock band because they got a little a little bit of almond brothers to them as well right uh but you know we mentioned motorhead earlier motorhead's an interesting band where um you know people say people say punk and thrash but i would say more like traditional heavy metal and thrash and then and then lemmy sends it right out of the park so nobody ever sounded like motorhead the only band i ever considered part of this at all was the baby motorhead tank um uh, let's see, Gangrene, Propane, Living Color, right? Living Color was this noisy sort of dissonant band. Black guys doing doing this noisy hard rock sort of thing, like traditional um, f- uh, four-piece band, I guess, power trio, you know, one guitarist, um, you know, standalone lead singer but actually their sound was was really hard to pin. I mean, it was hard to figure out you know where to, where to put those guys because it was kind of like they remind me of tin machine actually. Um just kind of this noisy ugly sound in in a lot of ways. Um for to a lot of what they did. Um you know, Mick brought up Helmet, Helmet's a great example. Um slide rule hardcore I might call them. <laughs> um you know, yeah, he's he's mentioned death, and I thought of death. You know, death got progressive as they went, it went on and became control denied and all that sort of thing. Um, but, you know, but they are truly the birth of death metal uh, also. Um, the Darkness, Mick mentioned them. Um, sabotage is a funny one. Uh, sabotage is kind of like traditional heavy metal, but then it got operatic and, and progressive. So, you know, where do you put sabotage? Uh, you know, sabotage brings up a good point that I, I feel with, uh, feels, um, I, I'm feeling with the metal church thing too, where, where when you, when, when you're not that exciting, uh, in, in a certain category and you don't know where to put them And one of your categories is slow, is a slowly becoming out of date category that kind of dooms you as well uh, by being a no category band. So, so maybe one of your categories is, is getting a little oldy moldy and your other categories, or maybe both of your categories are getting that way. And you've just, you just confuse people. And again, you confuse the labels. They don't know what to do with you. They don't know what bills to put you on. I, again, uh, the getting back to this idea of, of a live situation. Uh, Mick brought up nitro. He brought up fudge tunnel and curb dog. Kind of interesting. Um, so yeah, um, I, I'd I'd say that pretty much. Um, do do I have anybody else here? Um... No, so so they can be they can be across various uh, you know loosely uh, subgenres, but again these these are bands that even if if you're loosely attached to a to a subgenre, it's because you have a couple of other weird things uh, going on with what you're doing. Um, all right, if you liked this show and want to support future episodes, please go to kofi rhymes with no fee, dot com at, uh, slash Martin Popoff. Hit that red support button. Buy me a coffee or a pint. I'm doing this episode. I got excited about this. I'm doing it really just two days after the last episode. Um, so I have a very short list here. Um, it's only been a couple days. Um, but yes, I want to thank these uh, these uh, faithful supporters of History and Five Songs, Andy at Black Sugar Transmission, Bruce Campbell, David Fisher, Jeremy Ginn, um, Andrew Meyer, Augustin Garcia DePretis and Brian Sager. Um, you can go to martinpopoff.com for your book needs. It's definitely very slow right now. Summer is a really slow season all the time. Um, but yeah, the angel book is back in print. Um, I, th- I think I'm going to get that change showing the pricing there, but email me um, if you uh, if it's still down when you see this. It uh, should, should be up, but yeah, the pricing should all be back there. I've got most of the books from Weimar. I've still got those big hardcover coffee table books. Uh, I think I've got stock of every single one of those. The David Bowie book uh, is doing well out there. I'm, I'm getting some reviews. It's kind of good to see, but that's a big, expensive book. Nicest book ever done uh, for me. I should have... Um, the best book i've ever done uh, <laughs> lively arts the damned deconstructed in a couple weeks um and, uh, and the Alice Cooper busted into two trade paperbacks. Uh, so that's coming as well. Um, getting back into the illustration work, you can go see all of that um, at martinpopup.ca, so not martinpopup.com, or uh, my Art Pal gallery uh, for all the ones you can get as prints of the uh, just the porches of rock stars. But yeah, did a couple ads for Magazine and Buzzcocks uh, yesterday. Was that yesterday or two days ago? Something like that. Uh, anyways, there you go. Thanks again. Uh, go to our Facebook and uh, let me know. Um, obviously, there's going to be a lot, but who are the purest and best examples of these no category bands? And you know, also, um, it would be good to see, um, you know, what uh, concepts or what slots you would put them in. Uh, were they ones helped by this idea or hurt by this idea? And like I say, most I think on a creative level, um, it's a pretty admirable thing to uh, to not fit into these categories because there are so so many categories now because you have to do that because there are so many bands uh anyways there you go thanks a lot and uh talk to you later find all of our shows notes social and links at www.pantheonpodcast.com or wherever you listen to great podcasts all songs can be found for purchase on itunes spotify or google play please purchase these great and important tracks Find us on Facebook at The r We are on Instagram at r Archaeology. Tweet us at r Archaeology.